strap on your cleats, buckle up for a wild ride around the diamond of deception. Welcome to the 643 Conspiracy, where we swing for the truth. And knock conspiracy theories out of the park. Welcome back, welcome back, welcome back, welcome back to the 643 Conspiracy Podcast. How are we doing? What's going on, Drew? Dude, I miss you guys. What's going on? Man, just trying to make it through the the rigors of being an adult. (laughs) Bodies trying to fall apart. Just, you know same old same old oh but it's it's a been a little minute since we've been here you know schedules don't always line out but uh this weekend i was fortunate enough to join john the fed over on his new and upcoming show how the hell did we wind up here and i figured this before we let our uh listeners you know get all that ooey gooey goodness uh, we'd have a little discussion ourselves. That way you can throw your two cents in. Uh, but like always, before we get into our content, we're going to let these fine listeners of ours know about Pure Pet Wellness. And right on cue, my dogs show up. The, uh, the, the two customers of Pure Pet Wellness in our household decided they needed to come help with this, this ad read, if you will. So, ladies and gentlemen, www.purepetwellness.com, you will find the finest line of CBD products, uh, all organic ingredients. Uh, It's a family-owned and operated company out of San Jose, California. Uh, My friend Nico, he's a good friend of the show. I can personally vouch for his uh, character and his product. Uh, my dogs use the CBD oil and the paw balm, and I'll tell you, it works wonders. Uh, good for the, the oil is good for everything from putting them to sleep to helping them with uh, skin irritations. Paw balm works wonders on their nose and their palm, helping with re-moisturizing everything. So go over to uh, www.purepetwellness.com, and when you get to your checkout, you can enter promo code six four three and get twenty percent off of your order. And that's not a one time deal; that is every time you want to go buy something, enter that promo code six four three, and you're going to get twenty percent off. Tell them Hank and Drew sent you, and we'd appreciate you, Drew brother. So, like I was just explaining to you, the premise of the show that John has going on is basically how how did we wind up where we are today? What's one thing that the people he can have come on his show, he asks them the question and he wants them to bring one thing to add to this wheel, just add a spoke to the wheel, if you, if you would, on how we ended up in this situation. Where do you see things uh, through your eyes where we went wrong? Uh, I discussed the early 1900s where the Rockefellers, you know, did their thing as the listeners to find out shortly, but I'm really interested to see what you have to say on the subject. Since you weren't able to make the show, this is perfect opportunity for you to get your, you know, your cards on the table. 
So how the hell did we wind up here, Drew? Man, you know, I, I definitely think, you know, I, I like your line of thinking there um, in regards to the Rockefellers. And I, I definitely believe that things started there. Um, and how we wound up here has been a freaking just series of disaster after disaster uh, throughout the history of this country. Um, but I think, you know, the more and more that I start to realize what's really happened over the last 20 years, um, especially in regards to, you know, moving us to all these SDGs with the World Economic Forum and all that stuff, I think September 11, 2001. That's a fine choice. And this terrible set of events that the more I've looked into, the more I've realized has been something perpetrated by the United States government and just allowed under the guise of terrorism to usher in all of these governmental controls and... I was reading some cleaned declassified CIA documents in regards to uh, Operation Stellar Winds. Have you ever heard of that, Hank? I ha- I have not. So Operation Stellar Winds and it's so funny how everything's connected in the algorithm, right? So Luca and I were hanging out at work and I'm watching this video on it was an Instagram reel, and it starts talking about shortly after September 11th, this guy was a whistleblower, and he worked for AT&T. And while he was working for AT&T, he started a notice in 2002, early 2002. So you're talking just several months after the September 11th attacks. He saw this room in... AT&T, it was kind of outside of the server room, and what struck him as strange by the room was there's a door. You could clearly tell there's a door, but there's no door knob. There's a series of, like, bolts where you could tell there's, like, a lock or something and something on the interior of it, and he said what he noticed was that there's a, a pipeline, basically, of internet cable going from the server room into this secret room and then he could never trace back where it went from there he could only assume that it went back out into the ether so he finds this and he starts looking into it and then several days after he finds it he sees some weird men in suits that he later comes to find out or with the NSA meeting with executives of uh, AT&T. So basically that server room existed and what Operation Stellar Winds was, was the NSA's interception of all internet traffic across the United States, which basically turned into the world because what they were able to do was all of your internet traffic normally 
right? It goes through your internet service provider. So you have Comcast, you have AT&T, Verizon, whatever, right? And then it comes to you and then it goes back, right? So it goes from, from them, it goes out to the site that you want to see and then it comes back to you. Well, this was going sh- from them to the government, to you, back to the government, and then back to them. So they were just monitoring everything. And this was all under the guise of the United States Patriot Act, which got ushered in because, you know, we had to, uh, excuse me, we had to fight terrorism. And in order to do that, we had to usher in this massive surveillance program. And that was Operation Stellar Winds. And it was also released by uh, Snowden. He he released several documents about it, you know, and he started to to know about it and that was one of the reasons why he came out and became a whistleblower was because of the things that he read about that and the more i just look into september 11th and just how much of like i just saw a video the other day of of donald trump saying uh it wasn't the iraqis and the iranians that did september 11th look into who did september 11th it wasn't them yeah. Well, and and the more I look into it, the more everything's aligning that a hundred percent was this terrible thing that was perpetrated by the United States government, so they could usher in this surveillance program, which would then lead to all of the governmental control, i.e., the CBDC, the you know, all of these things. Man, and, and it's crazy because, like, I know I'm late to the party, but I think it was just last weekend. I just watched uh, Fahrenheit 9-11. Oh, man. Great, great documentary, right? Bro, bro, I, I just thought that I knew that the, the Bushes were corrupt. But holy shit, dude, like, <clears throat> that whole ordeal it was just, I mean, every which way you look at it, it's just fucked. And that's the only way to say it, really. I mean, 9-11 was, regardless of whether you believe it, there were planes or not, the fact that that day even occurred, I mean, just think about that. Just think about that. We're, I mean, we were... American citizens just living their lives, and next thing you know, two of 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 arguably one of the the most important buildings in the nation just get destroyed. Nine yeah. o'clock on a Tuesday afternoon or Tuesday morning, you know, just yeah, absolutely, like like absolutely, that. man. And then you think you come to find out that that even on the surface. The 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 least horrible motives for it all, even on the surface, we did it all just for oil, you know, resources and stuff. Even if it was only that, that's horrible. That we had to kill our own people, we being the government, just to justify going to war in a country that had no connection to anything that happened just because they have oil and opium 
and, and other resources that America just had to have. It, it, once yeah, you, and, and that's just on the surface level. Like once you start understanding that there's so many more levels of ulterior motives for 9-11 underneath that, and each one of them is more dark and more sinister than the last one. Like shit, dude. Like as if the day wasn't tragic yeah, enough. It, right. And you know, I it's terrible for me to 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 really like think that i remember exactly where i was that morning i remember exactly what was going on and i think all of us were struck by that moment at the same time and just dumb could not fathom just dumbfounded and dumbfounded and could not absolutely could not believe that the united states government would be able to perpetrate something like this. And for those that are saying, well, Drew, there's no way that the government could do something like that. Google Operation Northwoods. Right. Right. Operation North Operation Northwoods is this declassified document that came out that was signed off by the Joint Chiefs of Staff to get us into this war in Vietnam and the Bay of Pigs so we could go after all of this and we were going to hijack planes and blame it on the Cubans. And yep. do these are documents that are signed by the Joint Chiefs of Staff that did not get executed because John F. Kennedy said no. And then he got his ass fucking capped. So if you want to say that the government could not do this, just look at that. They assassinated a sitting president to go to because war. he did not agree with what they had to say. Yep. Now there's yep. many facets to that. Oh yeah. With the Federal Reserve and you know everything else, and I mean the Kennedy family has got ties to everything everywhere. But, but even even you know that, I you think. Know, you could you could kind of half-ass see a government taking out even if it is the president, but it albeit just one man. That's a that's a completely different story than the government taking out thousands of their own people. Thousands of their own people, bro. Like and regardless of whether it was demolitions or a plane, there were still men and women who leaped out of the top of these buildings to avoid burning to death. That happened. My 11-year-old self saw that on live TV. What am I supposed yeah. to do with that image for the rest of my life? Just to grow up thinking it was all because of some bad brown men in the Middle East, when all along it turns out to be some old white son of a bitch in the Oval Office. Man. It's crazy, dude. I'm I like it, It's weird how we haven't really even spoke that much over the last few days especially about anything show related and you've come out with a whole new point that I've never heard of. And it just so happens to be something that I caught up on last weekend. Like if, if there aren't synchronicities in this world, I don't know what it is, but I, I think that's a, a, a very yeah, beautiful, beautiful point as far as, 
clearly some shit went wrong here. Clearly there was a big divergence from the path on September 11th. Uh, one could argue it was probably more impactful than the 19, uh, early 1900s takeover by the Rockefellers that I talk about as our listeners will hear just shortly. I mean, I think they hold, you know, they're equally just as devastating, but just as far as um, the Rockefellers really got over on the common people, I believe, a lot more slyly, a lot more uh, uh, backdoorsy secretly than anything that happened with 9-11. Like, because like the day of there were firefighters saying that that wasn't an airplane that just hit there, that was bombs. Like literally as the towers were smoldering, there's firefighters like, no, there was, there was demolition charges. The very next day you had people disproving the airplanes. Was it project Bluebeam? You, you have a, was it right? you, actually I mean, airplanes? Because you cannot convince me an airplane hit the Pentagon. How was the whole side of that Pentagon not obliterated? You're telling me it only took out a, a, a width of the Pentagon exactly equal to what they said an airplane was, but there's no footage of it because all of the cameras around the Pentagon within like a quarter of a mile went out of lost power right before the, the, the crash apparently happened. But it, you know, so, so I just, I, it's really I saw hard a video. To, go ahead. No, I, I wasn't trying to cut you off. I'm sorry. No, you're good. I was just it, it when you talk about 9-11, like you said, everybody has that imprinted on their spirit for the rest of their life, where they were when they seen those towers either getting hit or falling. And it's a really hard thing, especially for because like I said, I was like almost eleven. I was two weeks away from being eleven. I remember the first night that I've ever seen live war footage on TV shot from news channels that sent people over there with the night vision lenses on their cameras. Like and looking back now, man, what the fuck, man? Why were, why would, why did they publicize it? Like, I mean, I understand why they had to do it. They had to get us into just kill them motherfuckers. Like the mob from, uh, water boy. Yeah. If they didn't, then they couldn't have done all the underhand backdoor secrecy stuff that they did. But it's just really hard to think about that day and, and not get riled up, you know. Yeah, especially because, you know, I have a lot of good friends that served and specifically went over there after 9-11 and you know a very good friend of mine uh you know the convoy that he was on exploded and he saw basically you know a woman that he looked up to die right there in his arms and i know that that memory sticks with him and you know all of these things and the more you look into it and, you know, the more I'm talking to him about it, the more we realize that all of these things that happened were done not for the reasons that we believed, 
and it's for all these other terrible motives um you know and it, it just blows my mind man and i i really wish that i could just put my head back under the sand and and not know and not see right some of those things um but you know there's a, another video that i just saw recently it was a um a news broadcast the week after so this is literally the week after september 11th so september 18th um and they're talking about all the uh trades that happened um just before you know the towers had hit yeah um i'm sorry the towers had fell and uh there was all these options um placed basically there's all these uh to put it in i i can't think of the technical term but um a bunch of people were betting against united airlines and uh american airlines and there were hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of options that were placed to say that the stocks were going to fail and before september 11th they were only worth one hundred and forty nine thousand three hundred thousand dollars once september 11th happened and the companies obviously took a giant loss in the stock market and everything else happened it turned into 1.8 million three and a half million dollars exactly and i don't believe in coincidences so you know and they they just did it all right in front of us man and and none of us got to see it until 20 something years later when we're now kind of figured it all out but everything comes to light somehow yeah man yeah man uh i can i guarantee you we're gonna be doing a a 9-11 show in the near future for sure my dude but yeah so ladies and gentlemen with that in mind drew drew is i don't i can't say posthumously because you're still alive but after the fact he's bringing (laughs) his 9-11 to the how the hell did we end up here argument and uh very soon you're going to be hearing my and john the feds conversation and you'll hear what we got to say on the matter uh enjoy the show and we appreciate y'all once again uh this is ben hank and drew from the 643 conspiracy later peace all right all right here we go welcome back to episode three of the how the hell do we wind up here podcast i'm joined with uh with drew from the six plus four plus three plus eight plus nine i don't know six plus three i don't know you tell them what right drew i'm just gonna let you introduce yourself you go ahead well, well, maybe I should have clarified. It says that my name is Drew, but he just has the 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 premium Zoom account. I'm Hank. That okay? That's what I thought, but then I was like, man, it says Drew. I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna go with it. I I forgot to say something about that. That's on me. Yeah, I'm Hank. I'm All right. uh, one one half of the the six four three conspiracy podcast. We uh, talk a lot of baseball and a lot of you know conspiracies and stuff over that way. We're just starting out. We've only been going for about three or four months but it's been a fun ride and i'm really excited to be here with you man yeah man i appreciate it so for those of you just tuning in just listen listen on mine or on his so basic uh basic premise of this podcast is real simple this world's messed up we all know it um we can always point to one or two things that are you know 
really more messed up than kind of other things. But what I want to do is just kind of get in the minutia of it and maybe kind of dig in and figure out where it went wrong. Cause you know, nothing happens on accident. It seems like it doesn't just appear. It seems like there's been a plan. We all kind of agree on that. What the plan was, we may not know, but we can always point to things of like, this led to this, which led to this, which led to this. And now we're here and it sucks. So, um, so that's the point of the podcast. May talk a little bit about that. This is just kind of an impromptu thing. So we may just we talk about some baseball. We can talk about, you know, is you know, Shohei Otani gonna get 600 million and wind up with the Yankees, or is he gonna go small market and go to the devil race? So well, hopefully, I hope he lands in St. Louis, but we can't it's even get a good pitcher. So <laughs> you get a pitcher and a hitter all in one, only for only six hundred million dollars. Right. Maybe seven hundred and fifty oh. million. I really so, love the premise of, of this show. Um, I heard it the, when the first episode popped off. I I was listening through your Missing the Points channel, and I yeah. heard it. And I, Shout out I Drew. was mowing the – yeah, love you, Drew. He came on. He uh, actually was on with me a week or two ago. We did the first roundtable show that we hosted. Oh, yeah, yeah, the, yeah, yeah. That was real fun. So, Drew, yeah, appreciate it again. One of the few men with a sexy Australian accent. And I oh, I, I'm addicted to his show, man. Like I, I, he keeps me on the in the know on what's going on down in Australia. Yep. But you know, I was mowing the yard and I was sitting there and I, I was thinking of my own points to bring to it. Well, before you ever got in touch with me, I kind of laughed when you hit me up, and I was like, "Damn, it's like he knew that I was sitting over here formulating my own things." No, I think what it was is I just started out, so I, I, no offense, I definitely did want you, but like I hit up everybody. <laughs> It was just a one major spam. I understand. I, I'm I'm on the same wave, just networking, trying to yep. throw throw stuff out there. But um, what what I've kind of landed on, and I wanted to bring something that nobody's you know spoke on yet. And I think we can go back to 1901, and that's when really the Rockefeller Institute really gained their foothold in the American government and culture the way that they did uh, right after 1901 and 1902 they they instituted their educational program which we all know how the public school system is only designed to pump out eight hour man slaves yep it it's really that right there in 19 in the turn of the 19th century or 20th century whichever that was in 1901 uh 1901, 1902, 1903, when the Rockefellers really dug their heels in that, you know, that's before the Titanic, that's before the Federal Institute. You know, I think this proceeds, uh, you know, that that right there in the early 1900s is where the groundwork for a lot of the later things that were that were, you know, as in the Fed and, you know, things like that. That's where they got their foundation laid. Yeah. So do you think, uh, do you think it, how am I going to phrase this? Do you think that it was, do you think it was a plan to have that instituted and take off from there? Or do you think it was one of those of like, this is kind of happening and now we're going to use them? See, I kind of think that back in, in that time, the government was still small enough as, as it was originally intended to where they couldn't really, exercise much control over certain families like the Rockefellers, like the uh, Carnegie. Morgans, yeah. Name, name your, you know, 
richest people of America at that time. They yeah, they more or less the man who built America. Yeah, they more or less made happen whatever they wanted happen simply because of the amount of wealth that they had amassed. Right. And so I don't know if it was as much governmental compliance as it was there was nothing they could do. Because I think that these families like the Rockefellers and you know the like, they they dug in through the through the common people. They, you know, they made their money all literally off the backs. They as much as the political world they dealt with, they dealt with, you know, the common man, you know, every every part of their empire touched every level of society at the time. And so I think that they had more sway when it came to, especially the bottom of your societal barrel, right. Who really didn't know much and really were just Rich people always have to have a poor a poor class. I mean, right. it, they're and so I think that the family set it up themselves to be in a position to where the government really couldn't do anything before they realized what had happened. Do so you think it was their intent to become more powerful than the government, or do you think they just kind of also I think they knew, always were? They always were. I think they always were. Yeah. I can see that. I think so what, that. So what switched in 1901 then in your, or 1902 or whatever? I'm not sure what specifically it was. Other from on the surface, you could see that that's when the Rockefellers really started throttling money into the economy. They right. really started revamping educational systems, started in on the medical systems, um, they were laying the back, the groundwork for the banking systems to eventually come in to yeah. the Federal Reserve. They they started these. It's almost like that. You know, it it wasn't necessarily one specific action. It was more or less just a if we if we want to ultimately get to the end of our plan, we're going to start here. We're just going to start pushing ideas and money to the people that are willing to go along with it and yeah. not really ask questions. You know, and you can see, you can see kind of, you can kind of track the, the system too, because 1901, they're roughly what, 50 years removed from the civil war, right? Yes. So the country's recovering from that. And I'm sure they played both sides, just like anybody with money is going to do. They're going to go oh, to the course. North and the South. We'll give you oil. We'll give you munitions. You pay it back. Whoever wins. We'll help you out there. So 1901, they're again 40 years or 30 years, 20 years away from World War One, and then 10, 15, 20 years, whatever it is, away from World War Two. You know, and it's you can see where you know you get where they're going to get their claws in because you know at that time the government wasn't really printing their own money, so they're definitely having to borrow from those who have. Exactly. And I, and I think it's really important that you brought up a, a timetable as far as in between the Civil War and World War One, because it, it a lot of people don't think that it's that short of a time in between yeah. the end of the Civil War era into the world. You know, World War One really wasn't even 100 years after 
you know, and, and that's not any amount of a time for a nation yeah. that just went through a brutal civil war and well, there's some a solid out, there's some stat out there that's like the United States hasn't been there's there's not a there's not a spot of time longer than like 20 years or 50 years or whatever it is that the United States hasn't been involved in a in a war or a conflict or a skirmish or, or something. Even even before America was technically America, you had the French Indian War happening over here. You know, you've had you've had several wars before America, as far as being a sovereign entity, was involved with them themselves yeah. on this land that we call America now. But I just was, you know, I think it's really interesting that you you laid that that uh that table out there like that. You know, we coming out of the Civil War, you're when you're talking that you're only 50, 60 years after it, that's what, maybe a generation and a half. Yeah. Maybe two generations. I mean, you got to think about, about the amount of, of people that had to be replenished to make up for the amount of death that occurred in the civil war. And here comes an opportune time, like no other for these families with this just ungodly amount of money, who, like you've said, played both sides. They've been buttering up to both sides so that they can't lose at the end of the day. And they're just help rebuilding. They've been there all along, providing help and aid. And if they that's where I mean, and that's where you come along 1900, 1901. Okay, now they've bought their they've they've weaseled their way into the hen house. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Now they're now that now it's starting to un the ball's starting to speed up a little bit. Right. But they're doing it in a way that the people that they've been helping and rebuilding their lives for these last 50, 60 years didn't see it. Sure. It was being pitched to the people as these advancements in health, advancements in technology, advancements in the scientific world. I mean, you gotta think a lot of a lot of advancements really happened in the early 1900s. Yeah, coming out of the Civil War, the country saw an uh, 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 not just an economic boom, but the entire nation evolved so many times over within those next generations. Yep. To the point that by the time World War One kicked off, it was a completely different looking world than it was during the times of the Civil War. Yeah. And so you 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 really got to look at a lot of other things other than just, oh, this is a, you know, a nefarious family, a devious family with ulterior motives. There was a, a, a stage that was set in the, in, you know, we could go down the, the Civil War rabbit hole with how that that was, you know, just put on this country for no reason other than power. <laughs> I don't know. I look and, at it. I think I think a lot of that, too, was to erase history. Like if you look at what they did, went through burning cities, and you know it's the same thing With that the old, happened in the Middle old East. Happened in the Middle yeah. East right now, you know, when yep. every time, you know, ISIS or whoever goes in and invades a country, what's the first thing they do? They knock down the museums, they knock down, you know, churches. Got a, got a yeah, churches. Anything that's got a historical context to it, it's gone. Yep. yep. So yeah, you know, and it's interesting too because the Civil War coming out of the Civil War, you know, on one side, like you're saying, there there was a big revolution, industrial technology whatever but on the flip side you've got a lot of confusion as well you've got those orphan trains that you know mad over the great deception is, is talked about a whole bunch oh yeah 
where castles all of a sudden start getting turned into loony bins and you know all these things and all of a sudden it's like it seems like there was a real big flip you know as far as you know how things went there was a flip on one side but i think there was a lot of confusion probably on on the other like they're just throwing it's kind of like they do now they threw everything they had at that time to where people just didn't really know what to look at or what to grasp onto absolutely and so how much do we attribute to these families that we're you know referencing yeah how much do we attribute to them of the erasing of the history because until i started this whole podcasting deal i had never heard of tartaria or yeah. anything involving old history. I yep. mean, when I thought of the 1800s, I thought of, you know, my, my country ass thought of fucking horses and wagons. Yeah, cowboys and Indians. And- yeah, yeah, you know, even even up to the Civil War, you're thinking horses and wagons. And at best, they had coal-fed wooden <laughs> ships, you know. Right. But here comes all of this, all of these photographs of this world that apparently existed definitely don't exist today you can half-ass see remnants of it in the old asylums in the old churches in some of the rare architecture that's been preserved on the off chance you know but something did flip yeah right there because you went from seeing the architecture being built for a purpose to actually serve not just man but nature to the buildings that we know now which have no aesthetic appeal right that well, it seemed like no every, everything purpose. everything up until that point was designed to empower, not empower but, yeah yeah it, to help your life and now it's you know it's just it's not it's it's static and it's just dull and it's boring and it's you know there's a thought out there and i can't remember who i heard it from if you t- if you said the guy's name like, yeah that's him but he was talking about how basically like old school churches and cathedrals were they emitted sound and energy waves and you know through the bells that told and everything like that and it was basically a way it was a way for healing but it was also a way to like amp people up for war that was coming and but they knew how to use those those tones and that energy and and everything else and it switched to just you know a square body and you know no tones and you know right people being bored out of their mind or whatever and so what 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 if the 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 things that you know the the all the different changes that the rockefellers instituted right there in the early 1900s what if the only motive for that was to entrap us spiritually and oh, to much. keep us on the lowest vibrational level possible. Yeah. Because it's proven that we're all energy. We're all vibration. We're all spirit, right. spiritual beings having a human experience. Well, and I know this isn't 1901. This is 20, 2020 or 2021, whatever, 20, whatever it was, whenever COVID happened, I'll probably get, banned for saying COVID and vaccine and jab or whatever. But I think that was part of what, you know, we had to keep our distance from each other. Right. And they talk right. about if you're within six feet of somebody, you are able to grab their, their energy, be able to grab their, you know, toroidal field. Yeah. yeah, Their toroidal field. And, you know, it's just, again, it's just another way to get us away from that. Exactly. Because so. it, have you ever seen like the, a, a, a breakdown of what happens to two different bodies when somebody hugs. No, and like the long, the longer that you embrace somebody, uh, your heartbeats will sink up. 
your really? your your vibe like you it, you really start to help each other heal. Yeah. Well, I mean that makes that makes sense because they say women, you know, if they're together long enough, you know, they work yeah. in the same environment or whatever, their their cycles sync up. Yeah. To where they're on the same cycle because it's all it's an energy field. But apparently there's a a measured a measurable um something that something occurs when when two people hug okay and like even up to like as as quick as five seconds there is a a measurable effect uh, uh, outcome from hugging and i'll have if i if i can find that because i I think it was a picture or something i seen okay or it might have been a video i'll I'll send it your way if i ever run across it but it was really interesting man and and that plays right into what you were talking about with the social distancing they didn't want us to be able to interact with each other because the truth is is we can hear heal each other on a spiritual level if if we are spiritually sound ourselves. Yeah. Well, you know, that's the thing. I, I said this on, I think the last one I did, the last one I did was a legit bat, but, um, and I've talked before about, you know, we've got, um, we've got some property. We're lucky enough to have that. We got animals, but we also have, we've got um, a bunch of bees that we keep as well for honey and whatnot. Yes. I started reading about the v- bees vibrations and what they do. And they talk about how beekeepers can beekeepers have a longer life expectancy overall than anybody else. And they attribute that to the vibration that the bees are putting out. Well, anyways, long story short, I, I tweaked my ankle. Like, like it, it got automatically dark purple. Like it didn't take any time for it to happen. And I was talking to a buddy of mine. I was like, dude, go put it, go sit next to the, your bees. See what their vibration will do to your, your ankle. And man, I'll tell you that next morning after I went out that night for about three or four hours, came in, went to sleep, woke up the next morning. And that purple was basically gone from my ankle. I could walk on it. it I mean, it was it was insane that, you know, and I attribute that to just the vibrational frequencies of the bee, the healing frequencies that the bees have. So, man, and I can't I can't wait for this housing market to straighten itself out, because as soon as I can consciously buy a house and and actually own some land then it i'm getting the garden i'm <laughs> i'm gonna do i'm gonna do as much self-sustaining as yeah. i can but you know what there's a lot you can do in your house right now as well as far as even just you know you can grow herbs in your kitchen or yeah you know, herbs to cook with not herbs to smoke i mean you could grow those too if you want it, but <laughs> But herbs in your kitchen, and you know that's why I tell people because I got friends who live in apartments. They're like, "Man, I can't do what you do. I can't do egg." I'm like, "Grow some herbs. The stuff I hate to grow, grow those, and I'll trade you eggs for them." Like that's you know that, and that's where I really hope we get to as kind of a society is. Just- and it's funny you say that's where you want to get to when that we need to go back to it. Back to yeah, yeah, because you know, it, it's even in in scripture that you're supposed to leave the corners of your your gardens unharvested yeah. so that those who need can come and get well that's what and the, and the what idea Ruth, was is if everybody grew something different yeah. then you could just go around to your neighbors and and get what you need and you would yeah. never go without because everybody helped each other yeah and there's some who like you may not be good at, at growing stuff or taking care of animals but you can weld you know, right. and like, you know, I'll trade you my welding. That's what I want is I'll trade. I'll give you if if we can come to an agreement, I'll give you what I have. If you can give me what you have. Right. Services Let's, for services. Exactly. Bartering. It's it's Bartering. all it, community based. Let's be community and, based rather than. And, you know, that's that that's ultimately where the government's going to end up pushing us back to as and it's going to be a 
a consequence they weren't planning on with this whole central bank digital currency because there's going to be several because I'm not shutting up. Right. I'm, I'm not going to – I'll be labeled a dissident. I don't care. <laughs> I'm already a southern white Christian male. I mean, I can't get more offensive than uh, that. I'll just throw you in prison right now. Right. Yeah. So I'm, I'm, I'm not going to shut up. I will find ways to get the podcast out, even if it ain't on whatever, you know, so stand on a corner, I, with, stand on a corner my, with a box and a megaphone. My, my social credit score is going to be in the gut. They're not going <laughs> to let me go to the store. Right. So I'm going to grow what I can grow. I'm going to make my own bread and my bread maker, as long as I can get the ingredients. But you know, that's where you have to build up a community. And yeah. even if it's not physically right there next door to you, if it's within getting distance, you need to build up at least a circle of people that you can, Hey, I'm going to do this this month. You grow this, you know, whatever it is, yeah. plan shit out and work with each other. So that in a situation where you absolutely have nowhere else to turn to, instead right. of running to the, the state for a handout, you can turn to your friends and actually get better product, better produce, better things for yourself and your family than you even would from the state. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, crack open a chicken egg you get from the store and crack open a chicken egg you get from a farm. And it's two completely different, two completely different beings. So I, I, I miss being able just to whip out, out deer or duck breast or yeah. fish that I've had stored in the deep freezer for a while since I've moved into my new place. I haven't had room for a deep freezer. Okay. But that's the best thing in the world is being able to open up your freezer. Cause I hunt, you know, I deer, I fish, you know, pigs, whatever, and being able to open up my freezer and pull out, you know, meat that I processed and meat that I killed myself rather than going, I wonder if this is really meat. I wonder if this is really, you know, cow. There's there's just something to it to be able to to do that not have to go to the store for all that stuff oh it was it was either on excuse me cunt or one of the monday night master debaters i listened to recently uh somebody brought up that they're they're growing fake meat imitation meat but they're using cancer cells for it of course they are why why wouldn't they and uh (laughs) I, I just, you know, I, it makes me not want to go get anything from a store ever again. Yeah. That's the thing is like, if I, from really, if I can't verify it, you know, it's now granted in and out burgers, McDonald's, Taco Bell. Like there are some times when I'm driving down the road where I'm just like, I want a taco from Taco Bell you know, and I will go get it. So I'm not like staunch, like, oh, I got, you know, there are times when I'm just like, I don't care what this Jack in the box tacos. I don't care what's in them. They're fantastic. You know, and there's sometimes they're just like, I just want two Jack in the box tacos. And it's, well, really it's like six, but you know, I don't know what's in them. So I'm not like staunch against it. I'd like to be, but. At this point, if you're not set up, on your on your own good side, good amount of land, and you don't have a the 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 monetary resources to be able to sink into livestock somewhere yeah. to have it processed. Uh, growing a garden of 
a size big enough to feed a family of five. See, I got a family of five. Okay. And it and if it it would it would be a I mean, not only time wise, would it be a complete 24-7 investment. I mean, it would literally take every penny that you could muster if you weren't just set up you know, monetarily to really just go hard and live completely self-sustaining. That's why way back when it was, you know, we have this idea now that it's, you know, the the woman's going to be in the kitchen taking care of the kids and the man. Well, I don't even know the idea anymore is the man is out there doing the hard labor and, you know, doing whatever, but really it was, you know, the woman was the one splitting logs. You know, the guy, the man may have been the one falling the tree and, you know, taking care of everything, but all that other manual labor too. Like it, it was, it was everybody. Everybody. It was the whole family. It was the whole family. Everybody had a role, you know, from somebody doing the laundry for, you know, doing nine loads of laundry for the whole day, you know, and that was their whole, their whole job to splitting wood or taking care of the animals or, you know, plowing the field or whatever. Everybody did it. Because your, your literal survival depended on everybody in that household pulling their weight every day. That's where the, so it, th- those those days are where the time or where the phrase "if you don't work, you don't eat" comes from. Yeah, because if you didn't go tear your back out pulling a plow through the ground, yep, you weren't gonna have food, or you weren't gonna have even if it wasn't food. If you were growing cotton or whatever, you didn't have anything to sell to to buy. So, so kind of along the lines of this of this podcast, where did that go wrong then? Where I think it's around. I, I, th- I think a lot of that could be attributed to the Rockefellers and the yeah. families of that of that era that made the decision to start moving America towards a corporation instead yeah. of because if you think about it, when when we're talking about you know 1901, 1902, we're only forty years out from the Fed, right? You know, so we're not really that far out from them getting America to literally signing itself in the constitution to be a corporation. So I think it was right there in the turn of the 1900s where these big families decided that they were tired of Americans being able to fend for themselves and survive without their forced Right. Help, you know. Um, I think that's where we can look at. Yeah, and, I'll go with and, that and I'll go with the invention of freeways and interstates because it connected, you know, which it was moving us into a corporation, all that, but it, you know, it connected cities, connected LA to New York, which was never connected to before, right? And it, all of a sudden it was it definitely helped speed up their process. Yeah, yeah, very much. I mean, because before you had trains or boats. And and neither one is a good idea for getting across America in a swift manner. No, it is not. <laughs> so yeah, I can I can definitely see that. Um, so I'll go. I'm gonna go back a little bit too. I can see a lot of. So we talked about 1901. And before that was, you know, it was the War of 1812 and then Gettysburg and all that. I can see. So Civil War is. We'll say it's 60 years from World War One, just for for easy math. Which is, right. you know, the kid who saw families torn apart during this during the Civil War is now all of a sudden the grandparent, and he's got right. kids, he's got grandkids, and he's telling his story of like I saw families torn apart. We've all got to be together. We've got to be, you know. And I'm not saying this was necessarily the Rockefellers or whoever's plan, but you can definitely see how it was. We were separated. 
Now we're not. We can't get separated again. So we all need to pitch into whatever this new this new thing is. So well, what happened? What was happening in America right before? Uh, well, I mean, I guess it would have been right after World War One. You yeah, had so that's nineteen thirties. You you just had America coming out of the Great, Great Depression. Great Depression, yeah. And so you had a wartime economy with the civil war. And then you had about a generation and a half of peace. Yep. And then you had another wartime economy. And it was during that world war one wartime economy where the Rockefellers come into play for real. And I think that they got a taste of that economy and they didn't know how to let it go. They didn't know how to revert back to a, a, a non wartime economy where they weren't making millions of dollars every second. And so I think they started really figuring out just how to keep us in a perpetual wartime economy. And if you think about it from World War II on, we've been in a one war or another. Yeah. I mean, even today we're in a war. We're just not, we're told we don't have physical boots on the ground. Right. But we're also being told this week that folks are geared up to go to Europe. Right. Well, so, even just, I mean, war can be now it's, you know, it's, it's through the internet. It's through, you know, yeah. whatever. It's not, it's not a traditional, we've been in world war three for a long time. People just don't well, admit it. Well, we can thank Mao Zedong from the communist China revolution back in the forties, fifties and sixties. We can thank him for the, for the way that war is fought today. It's fought with our children. And it's fought yeah. with our, our youth, with their minds, the young, impressionable minds. It's, it's, it's taking, having the patience to wait out a generational, uh, a generation or two implanting ideals into young, impressionable minds, and then just letting that do what it does. Yeah, no, absolutely. And you know, it's so my wife is, a, my wife's a teacher. She, she teaches in the public you know, school system here in Texas. Um, and her eyes, it's, you know, we've talked about things kind of like like that, but her eyes have really gotten open now that she's more entrenched in it. She kind of sees a little bit more of what, you know, what is going on instead of, you know, being a little bit more uh, maybe blissfully, blissfully unaware, blissfully ignorant as far as kind of what goes on in the school system. You know, it's she's been, I don't know how many years she's doing, but every year it's, you know, she goes in with a plan, but by day two, she's playing defense for the rest of the year because it's just, you know, it's she the hasn't ever said this. I do I do want to put this out there that she has never said this because I don't want everyone to fall back on her, but I do believe that she is starting to understand that you know students are more of a dollar sign to those in charge than you know than they're actually about the kids. So that's all it is. Yeah, that's all it is. Um I mean we've got thankfully in the school district that my kids are in. It, it hasn't really gone ridiculous. Right. I, don't, I don't have to worry about my kids coming home asking me why it's wrong to be white <laughs> or why yeah. why Jimmy why Jimmy's now Janet Jenny. some dumb <laughs> shit. Yeah, right. Yeah, you know. So so it's. I feel like until that happens, I, I'm I'm gonna leave my kids You're good. In there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. My, the district we're in, I mean, it's good in, in those ways. Like, they don't do Common Core. They're not doing, you know, 
you know, the trans agenda or anything like that. So it's, you know, it, it's nice. But on the flip side, you still see some things in the inner workings where it's just like that doesn't make if it's about the kids, that doesn't make sense. Well, at the end of the day, it's still the state funded uh, Rockefeller public school system. Yeah. That's why you tell your kids, go do what you need to do. Right. We'll talk about what you learned and we'll figure out what the real thing is. Exactly. Exactly. That, you know, it, it, it sucks that you have to jump through the hoops that you do to get homeschooling achieved. And if you choose to just put your middle fingers out there and say, fuck it all together, then they throw the parents in jail for truancy and take the kids yep. away and throw them into a, a, a sex trafficking organization <laughs> that's state funded. Yeah. So as parents, we really have no choice but to shut up and comply. You have to play to the game. an extent. Yeah. You play and, the game. And, and it's it, it really sucks knowing that there's going to come a day real soon. My my oldest is uh 12. She turns 13 in December. And I'm going to have to have some very different conversations with her in the coming, you know, days ahead that I'm just not ready to have with my baby girl yet. <laughs> I, I get it. That's why I've, I've got I've got two kids and both are boys, and I'm glad I'm glad I have two boys and nothing nothing else because you know. And I'm sure you've heard this before, but one of my best friends, he's got I don't know, I think it's like nine kids now. Six of oh six of them were six of them were girls, I think. So I asked him kind of what the big difference was, and he's like, the big difference is my boys. I've only got one dick to worry about. My girls, I've got every other dick in the world to worry about. <laughs> That's the well, truth. I've got about half of them to worry about right now because because half are. After half half transitioning, but that's right. Still uh, you can beat the shit out of a boy. <laughs> True story. I just, something happens to girls around the seven, eight year old mark that beating them don't work no more. <laughs> Not that we think beating I kids is I, good. I, I, I want to put that out my there. kids, <laughs> but I do discipline. No, I know. I get it. I'm just, I'm making it. Sort no, of, yeah, yeah, yeah. But no, I Disclaimer. get it. You know, I think I think part of what it well, girls are, I don't know, they're obstinate. The and, devil. They're the devil. I think part of what it is though, you know, is girls when they kind of get to a certain age, like they start growing things and they start getting noticed by other people, and they're like, I don't need mom and dad anymore. A boy is like his voice is cracking, he's got zits, he's got you know just little hairs here and there. And like, he needs his mom and dad to be like, it's okay. This you're, you're going to be okay. You're going to be yeah. good. The girl's like, screw mom and dad. I'm getting all this attention from somewhere else. This is yep. great. Yep. Yep. Uh, so. I'm getting ready to like dig a sub level underneath the house. <laughs> and so I can lock my, cause I've got a, my other daughter, she's eight. So it, it's like, um, as soon as I get, get one, hitting the shit i've got another one coming right into it i always said me. if i had a daughter as soon as she's born she's going to a convent she's gonna be a nun <laughs> i I'm, I'm about there i don't know if they take them i don't know if they take my youngest at this drop point her off, drop sure. her off at a fire department see what happens <laughs> oh shit <laughs> no, i love i love my girls to death <clears throat> no, I they, get it. you know they're but i don't you know girls are different I, Parenting them compared to parenting my son is it's night and day. I mean, yeah. you, you don't even have a, a half a chance if you're using the same <laughs> tactics with the girls that you use with the boy. Nope. 
they get real spiteful real young yeah really manipulative and they definitely mature a lot quicker than boys at that age they do their mind work their mind works a lot well boys are just we're stupid i mean like our whole life for the most part we're we're pretty stupid girls (laughs) girls aren't they wind up with a stupid guy more often times than not but we're, I don't know what it is. We're just dumb, but we always stay that way. Just our dumbness has different levels of of how dumb we are. Yeah. We just have muscles so we can build shit. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> and and stomp on spiders. I swear that's the only reason I'm married to my wife is because she needed somebody that she could live with that to to step on spiders. I'm pretty sure that's why Adam was made first. Because if Eve was made first, God wouldn't be able to find her. She'd been running the whole time. She'd have had a heart attack. Too many snakes, too many spiders, too many bugs. And he'd have been like, what's wrong? I don't know. I don't know, yeah. God says, you want to go eat? I'll just eat off it. I'm not real hungry. I just, no, that's not what I want. You're right. Eve, there's no restaurants here. What do you want? But then he tells her the one thing he she can't have. You know, that does sound good, though. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah, Damn, that's, why, that's why I always say, you know, there needs to be a little section on a, on a menu at every restaurant for my wife wasn't really hungry section, you know, and then she can order off of. Yeah, <laughs> off I, I've been wanting to start a food truck and call it. I don't know. <laughs> there you go. There you go. What I, kind of food do you sell? Everything would be labeled. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> or not that. It'd either be labeled. I don't know. Or not that. Right. Red. It, I it don't just, know. <laughs> it'd just be a variety of food, and it, everything would just. I don't know. I think I'll take the I don't know with a large side of not that. <laughs> <laughs> so, so we taught 1901. We taught Rockefellers. We. We talked, you know, all this stuff. So it's it's July 15th. It's 15th? Yeah, July 15th, 2023. So the question, I guess, really more than anything else is, how do we get out of this cycle? It, it's, a, it, it, it's almost, in a, if you think about it, in the, it's the one, one time where thinking big picture can be more detrimental than than anything i think that you if you really want to fix anything you have to start at your local level go to your town hall meetings uh get to know the people that are running for your city council get to know the people that are trying to uh take position over you in your own community and get involved i've been saying it for a long time on my show that's that's really the only fight that most of us can even have any chance of enacting any real change in anyway. For most of us regular people that aren't millionaires yeah. that can buy political favor. It's in the community. It's hell, if you can't find anybody to vote for for city council, run for it for yourself. You yeah. know, so if nobody's gonna enact the change that you want, then you be the change. I mean, that's ultimately that's the only fight that I think is worth fighting at this point is the local level, because if everybody can take care of their local level, then we fix the federal problem. Right. Uh, That's a good, I think, I I think that, I think that's really the only answer. And I think it solves just about, I, I just, you know, spoiler alert for the rest of your, 
show's existence <laughs> is a fight at the local level. I mean, I think that's really the most important thing we can do, man, because there's going to be no other way to force the federal government to restrict itself if we don't have an absolute death grip on yeah. our local governments. No, I agree. You know, it's funny you bring that up. So I'm, I'm in Texas. I am about 50 miles south of Austin. Um, I, I just found out the other day that Austin, so we all know about the whole defund the police thing. Austin was a real big involvement in that. Um, anyways, about two weeks ago, maybe, maybe a little more, but Austin was under a big Austin police department or actually the state troopers were under a big, it caused a big uproar because a state trooper the is alleged to have pulled his gun on a 10 year old kid. Yeah. Um, during a traffic stop it was or not a traffic stop but they followed the guy home the kid got out had to go to the bathroom the cops didn't know who was coming or who was getting out of the car so they pulled their gun 10 year old kid anyways city of austin has canceled their contract with the state troopers here in texas i did not know that was an option for places to be able to do so i think with that it's also getting to know what your state laws or your local laws your city laws are to be able to do as well, rather than just believing that something is gonna, you know, that you just have to go with whatever is going on. So, so Austin just kicked the state police state out. State troopers. So we still have sheriffs and we still have local police. But the state police, they kicked them out. They said, "You're no." So they have no more jurisdiction. No, no more jurisdiction in in the city. So how does that work, though? Because you would think that the state police would have a overpowering. The governor, the governor approved it, and he's now sending, I think it's like 300 National Guardsmen to kind of help out in case there's like a riot or anything like that. But the city of Austin had the ability, and apparently every city in the state of Texas has the ability to cancel their, at least the state troopers. I don't know about anybody else because I haven't looked into it. but Well, I know that the only law enforcement in the nation that's even constitutionally mentioned is the sheriff's office. Right. So... That would make sense that they can't remove the sheriff's office. Yeah. Uh, kind of like that. I, I believe it's a Texas sheriff. He was talking about how it didn't matter what the federal government said. He was the end all be all when it came to his county. <laughs> and I really like that guy. I think they were talking. I, I can't remember because they were trying. They were asking him if he was going to be enforcing some law if it got passed. I can't remember what it was or what the issue was about but basically he said middle fingers up to the federal government he's he's the only one yeah. he even said that he's the only one given authority by the constitution so really yeah like we need more sheriffs like that that's where we it do. goes back to the local level fight man you've got to get the right people in the right positions in your local level that way that you can actually be able to take a stand against the federal government yeah. Yeah. You know, and also with that too, it's um, I'm so I'm, I'm very much a pessimist when I come, when I look at everything, but I, I do hope and maybe see a small silver lining. Like if we get to this digital dollar, we get to this other thing to where, like where they're trying to reset, you know, whatever it is, I'm, I'm hoping that people, enough people will, will revolt against it. You know, I think there's enough people out there who see that things are wrong, but maybe they're too not scared to speak up, but they just don't want to deal with all the hate and the backlash and and everything else. And maybe not even realize just how many people out there are like 
like them, you know, hold the same, maybe not values, but just kind of see things the same way of like, this just isn't right sort of thing, you know, and maybe, maybe hopefully when, when it happens, enough people will rise up and be like, no, we're, we're done with this. You know, you can have a great reset, but it's going to be reset how we say it's going to be reset rather than how you want to do it. Hopefully. You have to remember that, that the first three words of the declaration of independence are the only three words that really matter. We, the people, right? We, the people, everything else is secondary to we, the people. So, so do you think though, so this, this is where I am. So, you know, the, um, I'm kind of all over the place with that. So I'll, 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 I'll backtrack. So six months ago, a year ago, the big thing was sovereign citizens, right? Like yeah. you can be a sovereign citizen, you could you could get rid of your social security number, you can do all this, go get your passport. With that, do you think that the federal government what would stop the federal government from going against the constitution then with the we the people or these other even sovereign citizen or whatever? Of like they're just like we don't care about that. I don't I don't care what I don't care what you say or what you what what you think. This is what we're gonna do. I don't I don't think a, a there's been a, a case that I'm aware of where a sovereign citizen has won in court against any governments. Um, I always thought that was interesting how you could try to remove yourself from the entity that is the United States, but still completely fully engulf yourself in every aspect. You know what I'm saying? So and it doesn't have to be sovereign. I think, it just- I think that the government has been able to maneuver itself into the because it completely disregards the first. The- uh oh. Uh oh. Drew, I think I lost you. <laughs> what was the last thing you heard? All right, you were talking about um, sovereign citizen cases and nobody ever winning against. Right. So as far as your question of how was the government able to disregard the Constitution, I think we see it every day. Yeah. Um, we definitely see that the, the the federal government as it stands today has no regard for the First Amendment, the Second Amendment, Uh really any other amendments uh if they did give any uh sort of credence and respect to the constitution then there would literally be no gun laws in america uh it it clearly says that the it shall not be infringed right and any restrictions that you put on the second amendment is by definition infringement so We've been living with the federal government our whole lives, most of our parents' whole lives, grandparents' whole lives, and a few generations back that hasn't cared about the Constitution for a while. Uh, it's not a secret. And I think that they've leveraged themselves into this position to where that they can blatantly in the middle of the day do these wildly unconstitutional things by turning man against man, turning family members against family members, blowing up a nuclear family uh, by making 
a state handout more appealing than a neighborly hand up where the offer to sit on your ass and make money rather than earning an honest living and and having morals and principles and being proud of of living a you know certain way that we used to call being american walking tall chin up chest out walking with purpose having pride in the work that you do with your hands understanding that hard work meant that you were probably an honest man because you were either too tired to do anything wrong or you were too you didn't have enough time to do anything wrong because you were always at work <laughs> or it's just too dark afterwards right so they they've decentivized the traditional way of thinking at every level and when you do that the only thing left for people to turn to is the state. Once the state is the only thing left to turn to, the state can do whatever the state wants. The people have already surrendered their power, their freedom. We haven't surrendered our power. I will say that we surrendered our freedom. We still have the power to take it back. If we wanted to, we as American people could march on D.C., march on the Pentagon, march on the Capitol, march on the hill and overthrow them sons of bitches forcefully if we had to, if we wanted to. It's right there what, in the same constitution that they piss on every day. You think that's what January 6th was about the, though then? To, no. show that, to show that we can't? You think no. it was staged to be able to show don't try it or else this is, you're going to be in jail forever? January 6th was a a, a bunch of bullshit it was federal agents inserting themselves into a trump rally and then using the dumb people that were there to start because they weren't all trump rally goers like that's what what several you think it was staged so they could end up saying like don't ever try this again yeah yeah yeah, you're not not gonna like it you're not gonna like that but but if they even look at why the people that were there were there Outside of the ones that were there because the the liberals paid them to be there, outside of the federal agents that were there specifically to antagonize, the conservatives that were there were just there to listen to Donald Trump. Right. I mean, that's and he said that they were to peacefully and respectfully walk over to the Capitol building. He ain't say nothing about going in or touching it or nothing. He just said, we're going to walk over here and we're going to tell them, hey, Hey, we, we we see you, right? You know. Um, Sorry, I interrupted. Fortunate, we're talking about us being able to to you know we have the power, and so I want to get back. We to do. That, you were saying, yeah, we do. I mean, I think I think if the owners of all the guns in America decided, you know what, lines drawn in the sand, we're gonna take our government back. I think that even if the government weaponized the military against us, there would be a vast number of military members that would either drop their arms or completely switch sides and come join us. I don't think it would be as lopsided of a fight as people think. No, I don't think so either. But I I go back to – so Joe Biden said it last week or the week before, and not that I ever 
really try to quote Joe Biden, but he said it. I don't maybe it was a while ago, maybe probably a few weeks, ago, more than a few weeks ago. But he said he's like the average American doesn't have an have a F sixteen. It's a good point. That's true. I don't. I don't. You have show a, me the average soldier that could come hunt through my hunt hunt me through my neck of the woods. Good point. True. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. We can play. We can play. <laughs> Your tank ain't gonna do you shit worth of good on my where, where I'm gonna be. Right. Your your jet might get me, but okay. I don't think you understand what some of these rednecks have tucked off in their houses, bro. No, that is true. <laughs> I it's know called, people that I, I know a guy that has a cannon. Like, it's it's a called Tannerite. Everybody, yeah, I mean, we. I don't know we, if you guys have Tannerite out where you're at, but out here in Texas, Copperhead like, Road wasn't just a catchy song. Right. <laughs> Good point. Good I'm point. just saying. Um, there's a reason why. That Japanese general wrote in his journal that was found at, at the end of World War II that said that they wouldn't dare dream of invading the mainland U.S. because he knew behind every blade of grass there was an American with a gun. Yep. That's what I tell people. I, I'll tell you that I hunt. I won't tell you what I hunt with. I won't tell you if it's a bow, a crossbow, a spear, or a gun, but you're more than welcome to come on my property and find out. That's right. That's right, because I guarantee you, I'm gonna see you before you see me, and by exactly. the time you hear it, it's over with. Exactly, you know that. So I don't know where it is with you, where you're at, but so a lot of people out here have a, have a lot of land, you know, hundreds or, or thousands of acres, and so you can't you can't put up no uh, no trespassing signs out. You know, I mean, you could, but over thousands of acres, that's a lot of no trespassing right. signs. And what they do out here is you paint the top of your fence post purple. Yep. And then if you see a fence, it's the same thing as a no trespassing sign. The minute you step over that purple fence post. It's your ass. Yeah. Yeah. I'll greet you on a four-wheeler, but I'll greet you real quick. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. It's the same thing here. Oh, we don't really have much. See, where I'm at, it's everything's agriculture. Everything's either a cornfield or a cotton field, or a rice really? field, or soybean. And that must be nice. It's nice. <laughs> I mean, it, uh, it's where not. I live, where I, it's beautiful, man. But it's just really, it, it's on the Mississippi River. It's the Delta, so okay. it's poor, poverty, impoverished yeah. areas. Uh, that old Delta Mississippi Delta Blues Highway shit. That right. you, you know, I, this and by nice, really, I mean more of just like. It's not best country. You know, your country. You're out in the, you're, the, you're the country. The country is beautiful. It's flat as all can be. There definitely right. ain't no damn curve. <laughs> but uh, I we're can just see touching all the bases, aren't tonight, aren't we? we might have, you know, we might as well. We might see what I did well. there? Touch all the bases, 643. Hey. Hey, right, look at that. Hey. No, but it, I mean, it is. I, I, there's definitely worse places I could live. Yeah. Fallujah. Um, <laughs> But there's not really open, uh, open country like there like there is like ranges and shit in Texas. Right. But there, everything's owned by somebody. All right. these farms are owned. We have levy systems, and certain people own sections of certain of, of levies, and you know they've got they put cattle on them. And uh, if you fuck around and find yourself. Driving down a dirt road that you don't need to be on, you'll figure right. it out. You'll figure it out. Yeah, what's that saying? Fuck around to find out. You will find out. Yeah, you you will find out. Uh, people don't don't 
shy away from shooting people around here. <laughs> <laughs> True. Yeah, well, you know what? If it, if I don't know you and my family's here, like my, I'm protecting my family. Like my job yeah. isn't to protect you. My yep. job is to worry about you. So that purple paint told Joe ass not to come here. <laughs> right. You should know. You should have yeah. known. And what what is you know, ignorance is no exception for the law. Right. Not my fault. <laughs> right. Good point. Good point. So about an hour in. I'm, one thing I wanted to ask you, and I probably should ask at the beginning, so we didn't get off topic, but what was your what was your moment to get into this? Like what was your like okay, I've understood things don't make sense, but now I understand that, you know, I don't want to say conspiracy, but just like, it's a lot bigger than I initially imagined. And it is, it, it's, it's, it's big. So the, the original co-host I had, his name was Ryan. And unfortunately we lost him like uh, right after me and him got three episodes into yeah. all this. Yeah, I'm um, sorry to hear that by the way. I, I appreciate it. Um, when, it, it was probably about a month before me and him decided to start up our podcast that I, I guess you would say I had that aha moment. Right. Um, I had just, he, up, up until he put I me, mean, he put me on all the podcasts, you know, that I started out listening to. And um, in between discovering conspiracy podcasts and listening because i listen to a lot of dan bongino a lot of i know okay i know folks like to shit on dan bongino i i personally i don't think there's anything wrong with him i mean sure he's he had to get a start from somewhere and a lot of people raise questions with his talent agency but the man puts out factual information on a daily basis and you got to play the game again you know you get to a certain level you got to play that game to get you know to get where you're at so from from what I can tell, he's not controlled by any, you know, one company or corporation. From what I can tell, he puts out genuine, sincerely truthful information. But but it was it was just a, a culmination of everything going on with the the Biden organ the organization. I can't even call them an administration anymore. That's you can say Biden. crime family. You can say crime family. It's okay. Crime syndicate, yeah. And when all that started coming out to light, really coming out of COVID, coming out of the lockdown, the lockdown fucked me up, man. I'm not even going to lie. It, it it threw me into a about a year-long bout of depression. I got to a point where I was drinking a fifth of whiskey every day. Like, yeah, it, it was really – so coming out of that, it just, it just got to a point where you couldn't ignore it anymore. Right. You know, you can only get hit in the mouth so many times before you finally get pissed off enough to fight back. And so me and Ryan were just like, you know what? As great as it is to get onto these, you know, podcasts and listen to them every day, we want to have the conversation too. So we're going to start up our own podcast but we're not just going to be strictly conspiracies we're going to talk baseball too because there ain't a podcast out here that does baseball and conspiracies yeah and so that's where the 643 comes in a 643 is a, a double play from your shortstop and that's the best form of math six plus four plus yeah. two yeah there you go so that's where the show name comes from and 
we just started it up just so that even if nobody else listened, we would go back and listen. Right. And we just wanted to to bring as much truth to as many people that were willing to come listen as we could muster and, and talk baseball along the way. Yeah. And that's turned into me honestly wishing some days I didn't do this. <laughs> I, simply because it was a lot easier to live life when you didn't know just how under assault you were every day. Dude, I, I get it. I was so I don't know, six months ago, eight months ago, something like that. I was gonna I was gonna start this podcast. I but I, I was gonna call it a different name. It was gonna be uh it was gonna be called from from owned to awakened. And we it was basically yeah. gonna be talk, talking about how basically, you know, we we were you were enslaved, but something woke you up. Let's talk about what woke you up and now now you're awake sort of thing. But I got – it was the same thing. I started listening to – I had to cancel – not cancel, but unsubscribe from – I don't know. I was probably listening – conservative estimate, maybe 25, 30 different podcasts that I kind of listened to. I cut it down to about five because I was just like – like I got so black-pilled with it. It was just like, why am I even getting up in the morning? Like yep. let's just let's just lay in bed and wait for the collapse to happen, and then you know. But then after a while, I kind of you know put on my big boy pants, pulled my put my boots on, you know, pulled them up, and it's just like you know you still got to live life, you still got a family to take care of. Let's you know. Thank you. At the end of the day, I still got to get out of bed and go pay my bills if I want to be able to even continue to live. <laughs> the way that I want to live, you know, much less, you know, doing any of this. And so if I'm going to have to fight the daily fight, then I might as well try to provide something that maybe somebody yeah. can get something out of. And I've got, you know, we got, we, we just talked over, we just got over 50 followers on Spotify. Nice. I feel like that's a huge thing for me, man. Cause like, uh, I mean, no, it is. I got three right now. And I was like, three. And she was like, well, I'm one of them. I was like, oh, well, that you don't count. So I've got two. <laughs> See, I don't count because I'm one of my own followers. <laughs> hey, but, the numbers uh, don't lie. It doesn't matter. It's like baseball, right? A hit, hey, a hit in right. the books is a hit in the books. It doesn't matter if it's a little number off the end that, you know, nobody could get to or if it, you know, went all the way down the right field line. A hit is a hit. It doesn't matter what the scorebook, you know, scorebook doesn't show how. That's right, man. And I'll tell you what, one of the most beautiful things about this whole thing is the the community of people that I've been introduced to. Yeah. All the amazing people that are out here with the same mindset that we have, just trying to figure this shit out, come up with some sort of helpful solution and hopefully, it, you know, we throw it to the wall and it sticks. And it, it, it's really helped me on a, on a daily level, on a daily basis be able to get up get through the day and not just feel like I'm going through the motions like I, I can in, in, in a way me doing the podcast has almost helped me have a purpose again yeah more than and it's just and it's an outlet just keep, it's an outlet instead of just keeping it inside the whole time Lord, is it because i can't talk i mean i can talk to my wife about this stuff but at the end of the day she don't give a shit i mean hell i can't even get her to follow i think i think for the most part all of us are in the same boat boat with that except for except for moral bob you know i've hung out with him and his wife a few times and she is all about it i'm like and bob and that's why bob is like i'm pretty sure she was made i'm i, I like i'm pretty sure this his wife is what makes him believe we're in a simulation i think 
because he's yeah. like, there's no way, there's absolutely no way she is came out like this unless she was made. So that's right. I just got to meet him last night on the tavern for the first oh, did time. You? That nice. was really awesome. Yeah. Yeah, he's a good dude. His whole family's yeah. great. So um, you ever come out here to Texas, I'll make sure you uh you know, get to meet him and some a couple of the other people. And it's, it's it's right what you're saying about though. You know, the, the, this community, although it seems to kind of be, I don't know, for me at least, it's probably about 20, 25 people strong, really, that I kind of interacted with and that I want to stay interacted with because there's other ones who. Part of the thing for this podcast is I want to give people the ability to come on and be able to present their case, but not have to worry about somebody else telling them that they're wrong, sort of thing. Because. Right. This is the way that you see it. You can't be wrong in the way that you – I mean, unless you're telling me, like, it's okay to rape little kids or, you know, something like that. Like, there are certain things, like, that is wrong, right? And yeah. maybe maybe that was too much, too bad of an example. But, like, there's certain things where, like, we can all just agree those are wrong. But there's other things, flat earth, curved earth, ball earth, hollow earth, space is real, space is fake, you know, whatever it is. You know, I want people to be able to come on with a certain topic and just talk about you know, hey, where, where do things go wrong? Where did you see it go wrong? Let's talk about it. People are allowed to disagree, but I don't want you to tell people they're wrong. You know, for me personally, I just, I want to come across as like, that's not the way I see it. You know, I don't see it that yeah. way. We've got to get back to a, a, a level of being able to communicate and have open dialogue and not agree with everybody. And, and it's okay. okay. It's okay to be wrong. Like that's what makes life great is when yeah. I don't agree with everything that you say, but at the end of the day, we still look each other in the eye, shake hands, say, I can respect you and your beliefs and then go on about your day. Well, you know, for me personally, like I want to be challenged, right? Like I want to talk to somebody and then present a different point of view to where like, I've never even thought about it like that or looked yes. at it like that. And that's what I want yes. with this is so for somebody to come around and be able to present their points and be like, this is how I see it. And, you know, hopefully whoever listens, my three listeners, your 50 listeners, you know, whoever else comes on, however many listeners they have, they get challenged through it as well. They're like, I've never looked at it that way. You know, that's or right. Like, I have looked at it that way. I don't agree with that, but I'm glad he looks at it that way and sees it that way. And, you know, it's okay to not be an expert on everything. We've got to put our pride to the side. We've just got to understand that we're as infallible as the next person. You know, I, I don't claim to be 100% bought into everything that I talk about. I like to think that I believe what I believe, but I'm open to the idea that I might be wrong. Yeah. <laughs> because Somebody's I'm a man and, and and man is prone to fucking shit up somewhere I, along the line. Do you know um so you're 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 a believer, right? You're a Christian? You said what was that? Did you say you're, you're a believer? You're a Christian? You said yeah, well I'm a I'm a follower of the teachings of the Christ. I don't okay. necessarily put myself in that basket. Okay, I'll put I'll, we'll we'll go with that. That'll that'll where the hell was I going with that? I don't even remember. So never mind. Never mind. I just completely lost my thought. So um, we'll go. We'll go on to something else. And if I remember, I'll go back to it. So, oh no, I do. Never mind. Here we go. Uh, you, have you ever come across uh, Rob Skiba? He's a no. he was a Christian. Um, he uh, I found him on YouTube. People can say what they want about YouTube, but he was a real real. He he was a, he was a follower of Christ as well. Um, He's the one actually, like, when I really got into Flat Earth that I really went with um, 
anyways, he always talked about how don't ever hold on to anything tight enough that if you come to believe that it's false, that it completely wrecks you. Yeah, I've heard you know, that. And that's, that's where I try to try to live or that's how I try to live my life is like, you know, I'll believe this, but I'm not going to hold on to it so tightly that if I come to find or somebody challenges it, that it's going to completely wreck my narrative. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Wreck me as I wreck me as I am. So it's, it's okay to be wrong. I mean, I just went to my family reunion a couple weeks ago and I was trying to get through to them that like when I was talking about the earth might be flat and some other woo woo stuff that you just got it. They were telling me how crazy I am. And I was just like, well, I'm not the one who can't get over the fact that I might have been lied to my whole life. Yeah. (laughs) You just believe what you believe because you've been told it your whole life. And with the flat earth, like I'm okay being wrong. Yeah. I'm hope I'm wrong. Like I would, I would love to be wrong about it, honestly, but I can't, Nobody's been able to prove me, prove it wrong yet. So, but I can prove the ball theory wrong. Yeah, absolutely. I just, you know, my eyes, it, I can see too far. I, I've, you know, I, I, I've, I've been a musician. So maybe humbling experiences have come to me more than other people. Uh, because when you pick up a musical instrument and you think that you're good, and then you go around some people that have really dedicated time and energy into it, and they let you know real quick just how not good you are. Right. It's you know it, it it's easy to swallow. It gets easier to swallow pride with experience. And so, <laughs> so with with that, um, I'm gonna interrupt you real quick. With that, my uh, my first my first very first practice of college baseball you know i grew up in a small town i was you know i was good enough to be recruited to play d1 d1 ball and all that and in the small town i was in i was i was good you know i'm not saying that to brag it just it is what it was i got to my first practice and our ace pitcher was up against our our ace pitcher was throwing i saw him wind up and i heard the ball hit the glove i didn't see it i didn't and then the next pitch he threw spun me around like a top because it was the wickedest curveball that i've ever seen and it was you know again talk about a humbling experience it was like i had to step back and be like these guys are good yeah i'm I'm not i might have made a mistake here (laughs) let me let me go back put my dignity back in my bat bag and come back out here and you know what that did that got you to probably buckle down and 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 dig in a little bit harder find another gear yeah. And, and when you do those things, you come out the other side a better person. Regardless well, that's exactly of, what I did. I went to my hitting coach right afterwards. I was like, teach me. Yeah. Right now, yeah. <laughs> let's start. Yeah. I mean, uh, it doesn't matter if it's music, if it's sports, if it's it, culinary arts, if it's anything, you can you can be humbled and, and be better for it. Right. When you start to think that you have figured it all out or that you can't learn anything new, then you're in a really dangerous place. Yeah, and I think you have to you have to be willing to learn when, even when you're not ready to. Exactly, exactly. It, it, it's constantly keeping a state of self-awareness that while you're trying to figure out this life, you might not have it figured out. You have to 
constantly be aware of the fact that at any point in time, the rug can get pulled out from underneath your feet. And what are you going to do then? How are you going to react? Are you going to let it completely destroy you on a fundamental level? Or can you bounce back, adapt, do what you got to do to overcome and get on down the road? Yeah, I'm pretty sure when I die and whatever the afterlife is, heaven, you know, whatever, I'm pretty sure it's going to be, before I even get in, a big video of where I thought I had it right, but I had it completely wrong. Like, you got to watch this to get in. I'm glad you brought up heaven and if there is an afterlife because you people that claim to be Christians or religious or whatever at some point in time are going to get hit with the question, well, what if you die and it, there is no afterlife? Well, at least I, I, I lived my days on this earth trying to be the best me that I could be. Right. And I don't think that's for not. Even no, if there either. is no heaven, I, I still owe it to myself and those around me to live in a way that can be looked at as good. Yeah. Yeah. I still lived a good life. What can you say? Sort of thing. Exactly. Exactly. And so how does, you know, somebody listening to this might right now think, Oh, we've got way off in the weeds, but not really. If you think about it, nope. because how can you fight the local fight? to fix a a federal government problem to reverse generations of unconstitutional and corrupt agendas being forced on this nation. Yeah. You have to do it after you fixed yourself and maybe fix yourself. Isn't the best expression after you have gotten to a point where you can acknowledge that you, that you aren't, the grand poobah of what you think you're the grand poobah of once you've knocked yourself down your your self-esteem total pole a couple of notches or whatever it is yeah. you know you, you you you've you've humbled your ass you know that's when you can actually go forth and make meaningful change in the world you know saying that you got to go to your city council meetings all that stuff yeah that's great but if you don't know who you are, how right. can you hold expectations of anybody else? Well, you have to, you have to center yourself, right? You have right. to center yourself. So you're not grabbing onto other things that kind of lead you down a path that you don't want to go down. That's right. That's right. Yeah. man. Yeah. Well, what else do you want to talk about? Or is that, is that oh, it? Man, we, dude, I'm we've been I, doing about an hour. I, you know, I'm really, good, this, man. this is my pod. I don't want to, this is, this is the podcast that I'm doing, but really this is your show because you're the guest. You came on. I'd love to talk about whatever you want to talk about. So. Well, sweet. Uh, you know, being a baseball fan, I'm a, you know, who, who do you, you know, do you pay attention to more college ball or more professional? No, so ball I grew or? up, I grew up a Braves fan um, because, you know, really in ba- baseball in the nineties was so, I grew up in California. Initially, I grew up as an A's fan because I had Mark McGuire. McGuire was right. my – he was my hero. You know, I played first base. I wore number 25. But the 90s came around, and they had Glavix and Madden and Smoltz. And all of a sudden, my loyalty – you know, once McGuire left and went to went to St. Louis, then I was like, you know what? I'm not an A's fan anymore. Let's find – and it became a Braves fan. So, if I followed anybody, it'd still be the Braves. But with free agency and players just – never staying and all that it's just you know i i love the game but yeah. I, as far as a team per se i don't really 
root or follow, you know, I'll, I'll root for players no matter which team they're on. So that way if they go, you know, from one team to another, I can still enjoy watching them. But as far as a team team goes, maybe the Braves, but not the Dodgers. So I, I can dig it, man. Uh, the Dodgers are the only team I hate. I absolutely <laughs> – 88 World Series made me cry as a kid. I was 10 years old. Kurt Gibson hit that home run off Eckersley. And ever since then, I have yep. absolutely hated the Dodgers. Yep. Which sucked because they were the closest team for us to go down and watch <laughs> when I was growing up. But yeah, that's cool, man. Um, yeah. I've grown up a Cardinals fan my whole life. Uh, living just across the river from Memphis, I've been able to go see their AAA team, the Red okay. like quite a bit. So, uh, like you, I grew up a Mark McGuire fan. He was nice. my absolute idol growing up. Uh, I yeah. was born in '90, so okay. I got to I got to pretty much see um, at least the the hit right there in his prime to the second half of his career with St. Yeah. Louis. Um, Jim Jim Edmonds was a a huge hero of mine. Uh, Stubby Clap, <laughs> <laughs> random randomly enough. Was a uh, one of my favorite players, but uh, nowadays, like you, I I more follow players. I still love the Cardinals. Don't get me wrong; like right. I'm not gonna buy any other teams' shirts <laughs> or hats or nothing. But um, I've watched more baseball of other teams this year. Since well, because the Cardinals suck right. ass this year, <laughs> but. Uh, <laughs> Like you, I, I'm a fan of good baseball. Right. Uh, I, I really like college sports uh, a little bit more than I like professional sports. I yeah. don't really watch basketball, but I, I watch football and baseball. And I tend to watch basketball right about the time March Madness starts. That's the only time I'll pay attention. That's about so it. I, that's I only because I want to fill out a bracket. I don't watch the NBA. I'll keep yeah. up with stats of a few players, but they're only guys that have graduated out of Arkansas. Got drafted out of Arkansas. Yeah, there's <laughs> a uh, there's a few guys from uh from here from here the New Braunfels, the town that I live in, uh, who played at Arkansas, um, and have been drafted in the MLB and all that stuff as well. So yeah, yeah, uh, Texas is a hot pipeline for Arkansas. Yeah, but I'm, I'll I'll watch anything if it's good. Right. I haven't. I, I used to really love NASCAR until. Dale Earnhardt died. <laughs> really, that broke my heart. Yeah, um, it broke a lot of people's hearts. When they, when they, when they stopped doing one continuous race, when they implemented stage racing into NASCAR, where yeah, I just so I've never watched NASCAR, but I was at a restaurant and they were talking about those stage racings, and I was like, I had no clue what that even was. So they basically they took a 500 lap race or whatever, however many laps, and they break it down into three stages. So it's like how motocross does their heats. their stages, their heats. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah okay. Pretty much, it's basically it basically takes away the ability for one car to go like fifteen laps up on the field. Okay. Whereas back that's in a the standard day, thing now. The the stage racing the stage is, racing yeah. it's a standard yeah. thing. Like okay. Yeah, yeah. I it I, I was a fan of the old NASCAR out of the nineties and stuff yeah. back where. It Just was scream and go. Yeah, man. Uh, uh, oh shit. Days of thunder. Yeah. Go three or four yeah. wide in a turn and you know, see who bumps who. And yeah. Have you ever I mean, been shit, I had, 
No, I haven't. I've been to a bunch of dirt track racing, but never made it to a NASCAR. NASCAR race. is a whole different. I've been to a few different ones. I've been to ones in California um, and a few other places. And it like if you ever get a chance to go and like into the pits and look at the cars when they start them up, like it literally lifts you off the ground when they when they start those engines up. It is crazy. And then when they go around the turn, you're sitting there and there's you know 30 cars in one turn or whatever. Like you feel it in your chest. It's it's amazing. Yeah, yeah. Oh. Uh- if I ever went, it'd be to somewhere like Martinsville or Bristol where I could yeah. see the whole race. I never thought it was worth my time to drive states over just to go see one section of a, one of a race. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I always wanted to go, like I said, like Bristol would be great because it doesn't matter where you're at. You're going to see yeah. racing in Bristol. Texas Motor Speedway is pretty cool. Yeah. Um. But but nowadays it's mostly just baseball and football during football season. Yeah. Who do you follow in football? I'm a big fan of professionally, I like the Eagles. Okay. And then uh obviously I'm Arkansas. I follow all Arkansas sports. Uh Arkansas's the when it comes to Arkansas sports, I'll watch their their fucking cross JV country team. teams. <laughs> yeah, I'll I'll watch it all, man. I can't get yeah. enough of it. I'll watch their gymnastics. Dude, man, they they have some incredible, incredible sports programs that aren't the big three, right? Like they're they're cross their cross country and their track and field teams have so many SEC and national championships. It's it's unreal. Yeah, like routinely, some of the best annually, the some of the best track stars in the collegiate level are from Arkansas. Like we have guys that go and run in the Olympics and then come back and go to school in Arkansas and run a really? track program. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. But other than other than that, I don't I don't really follow like you said, I follow players, but yeah. There's no there's no loyalty to teams anymore. Nope. So it, well, once you really start understanding too, like as a kid, you always think that you know the players are about you. They're playing, you know, for their fans, and they're playing yeah. and whatever age it is. It could be ten, it could be sixteen, it could be thirty or whatever. When you realize, like those players don't give a crap about you, you know, it's just a job. It's just a job, and they're making millions of dollars to do it. And it's like, well, they don't care about me. Why am I investing so much in in them, sort of thing? So, now don't get me wrong. We'll go to a game, and I'll eat it. It is. I'll go to a game. I'll drink a twenty dollars beer and eat a twelve dollars <laughs> hot dog, and you know everything else. But yep. But that's you know really that's why I like watching. So in San Antonio, we've got a um, the double A team for the Padres. Um, yeah. So you know we'll go see him. We can see like Fernando Tatis Jr. when he was there, and you know yep. some of these other players. And it's I like seeing them when they're coming up versus whether than. You need to. I'm sorry to cut you off. No, you're but, good. Um... I think he's still with their double A team. His name's Kevin Cox. Yes. He he just won uh he just got recruited or draft sorry, drafted by the Padres in he he was uh 2022 was his okay. senior year in Arkansas. He won the Golden Spikes Award. He bad yeah. motherfucker on the okay. mound, bro. Like I was so pissed off that St. Louis hasn't done anything to get him because once he <laughs> makes it to y'all to the Padres pitching staff, yeah. Oh my lord, bro. Like he is just <laughs> filthy. Is he? 
Yeah, I would go yeah. see him. Like I, I would, I would recommend you go lay eyes on him before he gets out. Of, and I think he's still in their double A system. Okay. Yeah, because we're he go, won't be after this year. Playoffs are starting next week, I think, and so we're gonna go watch a couple of their games. So hopefully, he pitches one of them that we. Uh, oh yeah, man, we do. I've got see, I uh, I collect baseball cards. Okay, I collect I collect ball cards. I've got several of his autographs and stuff. Problem is, I used to and. Baseball cards were my drug. You know, it, it wasn't heroin. It wasn't fentanyl. It was uh, it was baseball cards, man. And I was spending, you know, thousands upon thousands of dollars a month. Oh, that's nice. A 10, 10 on the autograph. That's, that's nice. Mick, that's Mickey Mantle's autograph. Yeah, he showed me a Mickey Mantle autograph. For those who collect cards, it's, uh, it's graded through FCG. It's an 8.0 uh on the car how'd you how'd you get an eight on a card from 62 62 it's from 80 from 82 82 okay that's a little bit better with the autographs of 10 that's nice yeah Yeah, man man. i i inherited that from my uncle man okay Uh, that's my prized possession right there freaking Mickey man a lot of my my problem is i used to i stopped collecting and now my oldest he's 18 he's got a job he's making pretty decent money for being 18 and living at home He's decided he wants to start buying cards. And so I go with him now. I'm like, son of a bitch, I'm buying cards again. Here I go. It, it's a it's an addictive hobby for sure. Dude, it is. But it's, you know, it's 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 fun, you know, and it's you know, it it's not drugs necessarily, but it you know, it, it is it definitely is an endorphin rush opening those up and wondering. Although, man, when I got back into it, so I remember Bowman Baseball used to be like $80 a box when yeah. I was collecting cards. I went to the card store the other day with him, and this guy wanted like $400 for a box of Bowman or $200 or whatever for finest. I'm like, you got to be kidding me. They're, he's like, you don't understand. I'm like, and that, again, I think that's what COVID did. Like all this yeah, stuff, yeah, like extra yeah, money sitting yeah. around. And See, then, I, never, I was never on unemployment until the lockdown. And okay. I was making, like, I was getting a, $188 a week off of unemployment. But then each week they would send me a bonus of, like, $600. Okay. And so I had more money than I knew what to do with. <laughs> Every, everybody had more. And this was on top of the stimulus checks they were sending out. Right. So everybody had more money than they knew what to do with. And the card collecting hobby went insane, bro. Well, and they knew what to do too. That's why they started putting here's they started putting old time players in there as well. So you can still get your King Griffey Juniors, you can get your Albert Pujols, you can get your Jeter or Mantle or Babe Ruth or you know, whatever. Man, you we gotta get you I gotta get you to come on over to our show so you can have this uh talk with Drew. Uh he was actually the first person I ever bought a baseball card from. Oh, really? Yeah, we met on a Facebook group. Okay. <laughs> yeah, so <laughs> It yeah, they, it it it's really it's a really cool you know me him and yeah and Ryan, my original co-host we had a really you know interesting story through baseball cards of how we sure. even knew each other. I, he I know Drew would love to be able to talk to you about cards. Uh, oh dude, I'd I'd love to. You know he actually used to do breaks like he would buy boxes and then sell off the teams and do a lot. Well, my stream. son does. My son gets into yeah. guys like three teams. Yeah, you know, and I'm like, who'd you get? He either gets nobody or he gets, you know, yeah, Drew Jones, you know, uh-huh. Matt Holiday's kid, you know, or you know, whatever. I'm like, he's like, you should get in. I'm like, I don't, you know, I feel like I feel like a freaking crack addict. I'm like, it's I gambling. Like you get man. into the, <laughs> it's gambling. 
It is, but it's it's, it's you know, as long as I can gambling. control it. As long as I can control it. There, but you know, uh, like you know, you, you were saying you dipped out of the hobby for a while. It probably blows your mind that a kid that just got drafted that's never played one second on a major league field, how his uh, Bowman Chrome first autograph can go for hundreds of more dollars than like a Ted Williams autograph. Oh, I know, or, or people a, are searching for these super fractors or yeah, you know, whatever. I'm yeah. like, you know, and I, so uh, 89 Upper Deck, is, I think, is what started that because the chase card was the Griffey Jr. rookie. And he, right. you know, he had never played, or he he had just gotten into the into the into the league or whatever. And I think that's what started people off on that, you know, buying on hopes and dreams rather than on actual improvement, sort of right. actual production, sort of thing. Um, which was around the right around the same time that the uh, I think it's Fleer started dropping their uh, their run that had the Frank Thomas no name. Yeah. No, that was the tops. It was tops. Oh, okay. Yeah, the tops. Yeah, tops. Eighty. It was. It was that eighty-eight tops. Eighty-nine. Eighty-nine or 89. ninety, something like that. Yeah, but I remember the, what the card looks like. It's it's like orange and blue and yellow and. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So that was like the original hot error card. The Fleer one was the Billy Ripken. That That's said, right. The it said fuck face. face on the yeah yeah on the, yeah on the knob yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was around that late 80s, early 90s when, like you said, that whole yep. push for hits or errors yeah. became a thing. Well, even uh, – you're, you're probably too – you said you were born in the 90s, so you're way too young to remember this. But uh, so there used to be a um, there used to be a card company called Classic or Classic 4Sport, and they used to put out basically it was like college, college cards of guys who had gotten drafted. So 4Sport, it was basketball, football, baseball – and I don't remember what the other one was. And there were hits in there as well. You could pull like, you know, gold Shaquille O'Neal or not. They were the first ones, I think, to put out the numbered cards. And But their numbered cards were like, this is number one of 50,000. You know, yeah. it was. And you're like, oh, my God, there's only 50,000 of these cards made. You know, See, that this, was like, this Mickey Mantle from 82, it, even it's part of a set. OK, like the first like. It's one of five thousand sets. So, like, this is five ninety seven. Right. This was set number five ninety seven out of five thousand that had his actual signature on it. And you're like, oh my god, there's only five thousand of them, and now it's like one. You got to think of out of them five thousand, how many of them went to kids that put them on bicycle wheels? On bicycles, yeah, exactly. How many? How many dads didn't know what they had, or how many kids broke into their dad's closet and rode on them? Or, yeah. That's why I've always considered, you know, if I could find a card that's like there's one of like, you know, if there's like 25 of them, trying to find all 25 and burning 24 of them and be like, look, yeah. there's only one of these now. Yeah. It's a yeah. true one of one. I don't care what it says. We'll see. Uh, you'll, you're getting into the hobby. You'll probably run across the term of eBay one of one. Oh, my son just said that because I pulled a. <laughs> so I'll, it'll I'll be like. It'll be like if if the card is numbered to one ninety nine, but you have card it's one ninety nine out of one ninety nine, right? Or or it's his jersey it's one out of one ninety nine. Folks will put it up on eBay and call it an eBay one of one, yeah. and folks will just see one of one and bid on it and yeah, spend or absorbing amounts of money on nothing special. That's what my son told me. I pulled. I bought this random like Walmart sells these like 
these mystery tins. It's got like all kinds of miscellaneous cards in there. So I bought one just on a whim and I got a, uh, it was an Aussie Albies tops something, but it, it's a, it's got a British flag on it. I've yeah. never seen one before, but it's numbered on the back to like 25 or something like that. But my son was like, Oh, it's a, it's a one of one because it's an eBay one of one because this is Jersey number or whatever. I was like, and you, what the hell is an eBay one of one? He's like, Oh, it's the only one. I'm like, well, all numbered cards are a one of one then. Cause this is the only number 25 of 5,000. Right. Or whatever. Yeah. So yeah. the thing I don't like now is those, uh, the autographs where they're all stickers. Like I like the autograph on the card rather than, I guess a lot of them are going to sticker autographs. And it's, you know, my son pulled one the other day and it was the ugliest autograph I think I've ever seen. The guy just like printed his name. Yeah. It'll literally be a sheet full of pull off stickers and they'll just sign the stickers. So like the player never actually touched the card. I figure Whereas, I don't even think the player is signing it. It's probably his agent or he's like, hey, little brother. Or an auto pin or something yeah. like that. Yeah. yeah. Whereas Mickey Mantle held that card. That card right. was in Mickey Mantle's hand. His hand touched that. And- his DNA is on it. You can reproduce him. So, yeah, no. I love cards. It's, it's a hard thing to get back into just because, man, there's so many out there now. And then, you know, even reading about how, like, Apparently, one card company owns all of them now. Is it Panini or something? Fanatic, like Fanatic's Fanatic. just bought Tops. Yeah. Oh, that's what it was. Okay, yeah. And Tops owns Bowman. Tops bought okay. Bowman back in the right. day. They bought them a long time ago. I knew that. Yeah. yeah. Like Upper Deck's not around anymore. Fleer's not really around in baseball or football cards anymore. Yeah, and then if you buy Don Russ or Optic or whatever, like they don't but have their teams on but there. They're owned by they're, Panini. Yeah, they're not licensed. Yeah, yeah, because Tops own well, technically Fanatics. They own the uh, right. licensing agreement with the MLB. Yeah. Whereas, if you go back into the earlier two thousands, Panini products had team logos right. on them, which they they still do for football and basketball. It's only it's baseball. baseball. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. yep. Oh, okay. now it'd be fun to come on your on your podcast, talk a little conspiracy, talk some baseball. Love talk. to have you. Yeah, anytime. Anytime, just let me know. So, well, we're uh, we're about an hour and a half in. I, I did want to ask, so with your buddy Ryan, who had passed away, I've heard on your podcast before that you guys have, like, a GoFundMe. Is that still going for him? Yeah, or, yeah. Like, You want to talk about that real quick, let people know kind of where where to find for sure. it? Oh, it. I can get you the link for that. So, you yeah, can please do. Throw it up. Um. I know that it's been a couple of months since he's passed, but the family really only asked for just enough to cost or cover the cost of the burial. Right. They didn't ask for any extra. And I, I, I stay in touch with his wife. And I asked her just a couple of days ago because I wanted to make sure that as I'm, I I can still spread it around because anything that people can donate, even at this point, it's going directly to her and the kids. And they're not there. I mean, as anyone could expect, they're still not recovered. Yeah. I mean, it, it was how many kids? Three, three. How old? And you know, I'm not sure on specific ages, but I know they were young. Just fairly young. Like, okay. Yeah. Like, I don't think any of them were even 10 yet. 
All right. And the the man loved his children. The man loved his wife. He loved working hard. You know, he's a Texas boy himself, born and raised. He was he was proud to start a podcast and and spit the knowledge that he had because he was the he was the fountain of of knowledge between us. Uh, he he was he was a uh, my best friend, my big brother. I, I, I love the man to death. And if anybody could uh, just share a couple of dollars, it, his, it's going directly to his wife and his kids and they're putting it to the best of use, just helping them uh, recover and learn how to live life without him. So, yeah. It, and I want to, I want to put it out there too, for everybody, anybody listening through my podcast, yours, or, you know, however they find this, you know, what anything, a lot of people, well, I want to say most people, everybody I talk to in this community always talks about how it needs to be community based, right? Rather than rather than anything else. And this is the perfect opportunity because this isn't somebody asking for money for a new car or, you know, this is an opportunity for inside our community for us to be able to reach out and help, you know, help anybody out and just, you know, help them figure out what life is. You know, in uh, when COVID happened, we always said, "Oh, this is the new normal." This, which I hated, but for 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 his wife and their kids, this is this unfortunately is the new normal for them. So, whatever you know, whatever you can do to help them kind of navigate those new normal, ask you know anybody listen, just like you know, like Hank said, just a couple dollars, you know, you know, ten dollars for fifteen dollars for half a tank of gas, or you know, something you know, to be able to be able to help. So school's coming up, school clothes, you know, not trying to give anybody a guilt trip, but you know, we're all there and times are tight for everybody. But if you can, you know, skip a cup of coffee for a day and, you know, donate your $5 that you would spend on coffee instead, do it please. So. Absolutely. Absolutely. Oh, uh, John, this has been an incredible conversation with you. It's, it's been an absolute pleasure meeting you. Yeah. Can't thank you enough for uh, having me on the show. Uh, this is, like I said, as soon as I heard that first episode, I was hooked, man. Man, I appreciate uh, it. I, I think you have an extremely beautiful premise for your show. Uh, like you were saying, you've set it up for there to be no wrong answers. Yeah. It's just different perspectives on the same world we're all trying to make sense of. I think it's a beautiful thing you've got going on, my friend. And I, I, I wish you nothing but the best of luck with your show. I appreciate that. And Thank we're definitely going to stay in touch, man. And uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. If you're ever out in Texas, you know, definitely let me know uh, if I make it out to Arkansas, which I mean, it's not too far away. So I've never been to Little Rock. So I'm sure that's not too far away from you. So about three hours, not a big yeah. drive at all. So I, that's the only city I think I know in 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 Arkansas. Is Lafayette out there too, or is that in Louisiana? That's Louisiana. That's, that's what you're thinking. That's Louisiana. <laughs> yeah, I don't know anything else. I know I know Little Rock, but you know, I get out that way. Maybe I'll know a few more. So we'll tell everybody where they can find you, where you're at, what you're about, and uh, we'll go from there. For sure, for sure. Uh, social medias. I'm on Facebook. I'm on Instagram. Uh, mostly active on Instagram. Uh, 643 underscore conspiracy underscore pod on Instagram. I've got my link tree up on the uh, page bio, but you can find us on uh, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Pandora, Stitcher. I think we've finally made it to Apple Podcasts. I'm not sure. We're trying to get on as many of the podcatchers as we can. Yeah. 
you can also send a email to us if you have anything that you don't want to use social for to uh, pod underscore six four three underscore conspiracy at yahoo.com. Uh, come check us out, man. We're we're dropping an episode, trying to at least once weekly, twice if if everything permits. Trying to just network and meet new people and help everybody grow, man. That's 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 yeah. kind of you know been the theme since I've started this whole thing is working as a community to help everybody. I my shows only happened because of the generous outreach of other podcasters. You know, they've helped hook me up with equipment, showed me how to run software. I literally owe my show to the great people that, you know, that we're in, in the same circle with. Yep. Um, so just come check this out. Yeah. All the likes and the follows and the stuffs. You and Melissa, he's got, he's got good stuff. And, and uh, if you're, uh, if you're looking to get in the podcast game, you know, start your own, reach out to him. I'm sure he'd love to come on yours or have you on his and, you know, just kind of welcome you to the community as long as, you know. For sure, man. Just hit me up. We can we can make something happen. Good thing. Sounds good. Well, this has been fun. If my uh I do have to say, just because I will tell my my youngest if uh if he when I talk to him that uh I did tell you go Cubs from him because he is a hard diehard Cubs fan. Uh so go Cubs. But uh after, from then on we'll uh We'll talk to you later, man. I appreciate it. All right, brother. Go Cardinals.